You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. I'm Kate Pierce-Nims, NYSAC's Multimedia Specialist and your host for today's episode. We're joined today by Sarah Ravenhall, Executive Director of the New York State Association of County Health Officials. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to join us for this conversation today. Thank you for having me, Kate. And we're in the midst of celebrating the return of spring weather here. The beginning of April has a lot in store for local government. Uh, This week from April 3rd to the 9th is National Public Health Week. And the entire month highlights National County Government Month, as well as National Donate Life Month, and a lot of other initiatives and awareness campaigns from the local government level. So we're exceptionally happy to have you here today, Sarah, uh, to discuss what's in store for county health officials in the coming weeks. Thank you. So in recognition of National Public Health Week, uh, what are NYCHO and your members doing to continue to raise awareness about public health and prevention? Because of course your work is not just a one week of the year uh, initiative. So what are you continuing to do this week? That's true. Uh, Public health and the work that local health departments do is a 24-7 job, certainly. Um, National Public Health Week is recognized by the American Public Health Association. Um, So it's it's recognized really throughout the nation and world. And this year in 2023, the focus is on centering and celebrating cultures in health. And each day of National Public Health Week has a daily theme. Uh, Those themes include community, violence prevention, reproductive and sexual health, mental health, rural health, accessibility, and food and nutrition. Um, So the way that NYSECHO, or the New York State Association of County Health Officials, is going to be recognizing is we're doing a little bit of a social media campaign. So if you follow us on our um, Twitter, our Facebook pages, at NYSECHO, using the hashtag, hashtag NPHW, you'll see the activities that we're engaging in. We've put out a press release recognizing the work that local health departments provide for their communities. And I am going to be taking a tour throughout the state to visit at least seven local health departments this week. So I'm very excited to go out into the community, meet with my members, get tours of their departments, and really thank and express gratitude to the fabulous um, public health professionals that are doing work in communities to really prevent and protect Um, everybody from injury, illness, and disease. Right, even just hearing the different celebrations for each of the days this week really is just a glimpse into the scope of services that local county health officials provide. So there's a lot going on for county health officials. And one thing, one concern that we, that's front and center um, is a large decline that we're seeing, not just in New York State, but nationally in the public health workforce. So these essential necessary services that are provided at the local level, um, now we're looking at fewer providers, right, and fewer people in the workforce. Can you talk about some of the contributing factors to this gap in the workforce and some of the ramifications that this would have on services in New York State? Absolutely. And and Kate, you mentioned, um, you know, you mentioned that a lot of national organizations are pointing out that um, professionals are leaving their posts at the local government and state government level in the public health uh, workforce. Uh, Debo- the Dobomont Foundation recently released a 
report that um, cited that 46% of state and local public health employees have left their positions. And of those 46, 77% of employees with more than five years of experience at their organizations left. So what that equates to is decades of public health expertise and um, insight and intel and hands-on experience um, really working with and helping communities. And, and so that, that departure of such critical experts leaving local health departments puts us at risk, um, you know, it, from chronic disease, injury prevention, maternal and child health, environmental health services. These are all areas of public health that really are uh, vitally important to the health and safety of our communities. And so to see the workforce leave, um, it's something we have to pay attention to, something that's critically important and um, it is receiving national recognition. We're seeing very similar things happening in New York State. Um, an ongoing workforce enumeration study that we're leading at NYSEHO uh, has found significant staff losses in local public health departments across the state. We've seen that 26% of the full-time staff in New York State's 58 local health departments between 2019 and 21 um, have left. So that includes LPN, supervising public health nurses, community health workers, public health educators, and public health nurses. Some really key roles within local health departments where there are vacancies that need to be filled. I should also mention there is a, um, a new CDC public health workforce and infrastructure grant that local health departments in New York State are going to be receiving. Uh, the contracts have gone out from the state and this is federal CDC funding that has gone to the State Department of Health and is going out to localities. So county health officials across the state are coming up with ways to utilize this funding to help recruit and retain their workforce. So really the purpose and intent of that funding is to fill new positions, keep people who are already employed at the local health department in those positions and um, make sure that there's longevity in the services that they're able to provide and to, to give professionals the education that they need to do their jobs. Right, and to have a uh a long career, a fulfilling career in public health, um, and to be able to support their workforce in a way that, you know, incentivizes staying and investing in your community. So, and Absolutely. hearing that, that combo of recruitment and retain, that is, I think that's a common theme across county departments, right? And, and it has different ramifications for each department of county service. And another thing that's coinciding with this gap of not just folks leaving the workforce, but an you know, anticipated retiring of a lot of our public health workforce and county workforce in general, um, coined sort of as a silver tsunami, uh, which also ties in with the growing age of our population in New York, right? So we're anticipating um, more elderly residents, more you know, supporting our aging residents in New York State, but then also supporting our retirees. And so it creates a, like a two front gap in the workforce of folks leaving for different career paths and also folks retiring from public health. Um, can you talk about what this workforce gap means for services in New York State, not just um, from the angle of recruitment and retention, but just even um, retirees and how they affect the workforce? 
Right. And many of these retirees are those employees that have years and, and years and decades um, of expertise and have been trained to do their jobs and are the ones that are training new employees that come in. So it's really important before these retirees all depart to make sure that we have new staff in place who can learn from them. Um, but we are hearing very similar trends from our members. Um, all of our local health departments who responded to our um, enumeration survey, regardless of the size of the local health department, reported facing high impending retirements um, with about 990 full-time employees, which is about 10% of the current workforce um, planning to retire within the next three years. Uh, so that's that's a tremendous loss of um expertise and institutional knowledge at the local health departments. And I'm sure other sectors of county government are dealing with the same thing. But when you think about public health services, you're thinking about going into homes and making sure moms and babies have a safe start to life. You're thinking of restaurant inspections, water quality testing. You're thinking of childhood immunizations that pre prevent things like measles outbreaks. Um, really important services to help people prevent them from going to the hospital before they get sick. Um, you know, dealing with health equity and making sure there's access to care in rural areas. Um, these are the things that we're talking about. It, it's almost like public health first responders, right? Um, and, and that term to me is really demonstrative of how critical public health services are in our communities. Right. It's almost like a first line of defense. Your first line of defense against um, illness and disease and injury is your local health department, is your county health department. So, And that kind of was brought more to the forefront, I feel like, during the COVID pandemic. And that's, of course, something that's still ongoing, still being mitigated and, and addressed by local health departments. So it's not just that, you know, things have gotten easier. We can focus more on other things. No, there's so much on the plates of county health officials and managing the health of their community. So there's a lot going on. Um, I know that we're coming to the end of our conversation today, but I just wanted to um, touch on that. We know that the, the budget deadline has passed at this point, and while there's still some dust settling there, um, what are your hopes at NYSHO for the final enacted state budget, and what's on the horizon for your membership in post-budget advocacy for the rest of the legislative session? Thanks for bringing that up, Kate. That's certainly a, a priority that we're thinking about. Um, we have a few different items that we'd like to see in the final enacted budget. The first being funding for lead prevention. When a child is exposed to lead in the home, at school, wherever it may be, uh, you know, this, these are life altering situations. And um, there's really no way to recover from lead poisoning. And it's really something that can be prevented. And local health departments are on the front lines of helping children and families um, to make sure that they know where a source of lead is in their home and know how to avoid, um, you know, being exposed in the future. And in 2019, the elevated blood lead level was lowered um, from 10 to five. And the state did not at that time put in extra money into the budget to make sure that we could implement that change locally. And the number of children 
because now the actual blood lead level is lower, um, really was exacerbated. Um, the workload has become, you know, more than double of what it used to be. And there are more kids that need these services and we want to provide them. Without having the resources to do that, we are unable, it's really makes it challenging and it causes a health inequity for these children that need services. Um, and the governor did put in a lead registry proposal into her into her budget. And we have been working with them to make sure that they know the true cost of implementation for the counties that would be affected. But also um, we need the funding from lowering that elevated blood lead level in 2019 to make sure that kids who have already been exposed have their, are, are able to meet with local health department professionals who can help and support their families. So lead preventioning is one of our priorities. The second is a piece of legislation, part M that was in the governor's budget around the way that local health departments are licensed for the home care services they provide to their communities. Uh, this would alleviate burden from not only local health departments and having to complete some regulatory required work as Article 36 licensed home care agencies, but it would also help the State Department of Health who wouldn't have to audit local health departments so stringently. And what this would do is really better align the limited in-home services that local health departments provide under the scope of home care services. They're not true article home care associations, nor should they be regulated as one. So that's another one. And um, we are working with the assembly on that one. The Senate did put that in their one house bill. So we were encouraged by that, but we we, we definitely wanna see that in the um, final budget and there would be no fiscal implication there. And then um, we also would like to see some of the governor's tobacco control provisions around increasing the tax on tobacco products by a dollar, banning flavored products, including menthol cigarettes, and um, tying up some enforcement loopholes in the existing statute uh, that will help our members to make sure that retailers are not selling illicit products. Um, and just to clarify, there's been a lot of discussion about enforcement of tobacco sales. Anytime a local health department professional goes out in the community to provide such enforcement or what I prefer to call compliance, it is directed toward the retailer to make sure the retailer isn't selling products that appeal to children. So there really is no, um, no uh, penalization or no nothing directed toward the individual consumer who is purchasing products. It's really on the retailer where they have to provide fines. So those are the items we'd like to see in the final enacted budget. And we're always looking at Article uh, 6 state aid to local health departments because that's really our bread and butter. That's what for, uh, uh, funds uh, the core public health services that local health departments provide. So we would like to see New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene um, reimbursed at the same rate as other local health departments across New York State. 
so a lot on NYSEICHO's agenda as well in the coming weeks here in terms of advocacy. So there, and there's a lot that ties in with NYSAC's advocacy, and we are so grateful for the continued partnership between NYSAC and NYSEICHO, and really appreciative of your time and your expertise for this podcast today, for this discussion. Um, we're coming up on the end of our conversation, and I just want to know if there's anything else that you wanted to discuss on our episode today um, about what we've already discussed or anything else on on your mind um, as we head into the rest of April. We're just grateful for all of the county leaders, their support of local health departments, county health officials, our budget priorities, I feel like are very much in sync. If if NYSAC, um, you know, doesn't see successes in the final budget, we can't be successful either. So we're always supporting anything that you guys have in play. Um, so hopefully we can come out on the other end of budget this year successfully together and um that that's all great and definitely i would direct our listeners to check out NYSEICHO's social media page this week um, in recognition of National Public Health Week. This is the work that's ongoing now uh, and throughout all of the year that deserves to be recognized and it deserves the attention and especially with uh, you know a gap in the workforce, the folks who are providing the services day in day out at the local level deserve to be recognized and, and this is their week. So make sure that you check out their social media page and uh, continue celebrations for National County Government Month throughout the month of April and uh, stay tuned for what the budget has in store for local county health officials. Thank you, Kate. Thanks for listening to this episode of NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. Keep tuning in for more county government-focused conversations and make sure to subscribe to stay up to date.